The content of this podcast, Swingin' It, is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The content discussed is not intended for investment advice nor a recommendation. Investing in any stock, security, bond, ETF, option contracts, or futures has substantial risk of loss. Chris McBride and John Burrell are not certified financial or investment advisors, nor are they registered brokers. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that neither Chris McBride or John Burrell will be held responsible for any loss that you may occur from acting on the topic or discussion in this podcast. These topics are not meant for recommendation. Chris McBride and John Burrell may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. To the Just Swinging It podcast, a stock and market talk podcast for regular folks by regular folks. We're on week two. The first week it went pretty well. Two great episodes for y'all. I had a great week in the stock market. John had a decent week, not terrible, not great, but a decent week. But we're here back for week two, and we got some more picks. We got some outlook on the week, and we got some news for you. Before we start, let's check on how John is down there in North Carolina. How's it going, John? Doing pretty well, and we went and we went on a hike, seen a waterfall a couple hours away. Drove back, really a beautiful sunny day for us, and uh, glad to be back and hopping on the podcast. Where'd y'all go for a hike at? You know, <laughs> I sh- it, when I, when saying that, I should have uh, you know at least remember the name. But you know how women are; they say, "Let's go here." And I'm like, "Okay, let's go." So I just. I just drove and uh, let her lead the way. So you you just drove into an abyss, no clue where you was going, just whatever, this direction, we're going east. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do know we went west at least, but I, th- I can't remember exactly what the name of the city was now. Yeah, so today we just kind of worked on my house a little bit. Um, it was supposed to rain, thunderstorm. All day long, we planned on um, doing some work inside today and then, you know, going out tomorrow for Memorial Day, maybe going to the lake, fishing, or even go for a hike. But, like always, the weather people didn't really predict correctly, and it was perfectly sunny all day long, got the grass mowed all, all the way up until probably like 7 or 8 o'clock, and then it was starting to get cloudy, and I think it rained for a little bit, but now it's supposed to rain all day tomorrow, so basically we don't get to go hiking probably now due to weather prediction. So that kind of sucks, but oh well, you, you have that sometimes. Yeah, unfortunately, but. Yeah, with that, um, thanks everyone for listening to the podcast and um, sharing it with your friends. Hopefully you complete your homework. Um, we'd hate to give you a D in the class at this point, but um Go ahead and get your notepad out as we go back to John, and he's going to try to teach you something. And this this topic's pretty important. This is we're going to t- talk about the um, actual process of buying stocks and the orders basically that you can put in, really, and paying attention to what which of these orders can uh, make a big difference. As you might have heard from my my story last week, so 
it's the perfect time after me screwing this up last week to put this in the podcast here. So with that, we'll go to Stop Jargon with John. And today we're talking about, as I mentioned, the different type of orders. So, John, take it away. Okay, so these can be a little tricky as we get to the second part of these. But the first part of the main two that we're going to talk about the first one is a market order, and basically what that is, is you're sending in an order to buy or sell a security, um, or a stock, or option, or whatever it is that you're wanting to buy or sell, and it's just an immediate transaction. So you're putting in that order to buy it at the current price. Whatever that current price is, you're not specifying what price you want to buy it at or sell it at. You're just buying it at fair market value, whatever it currently is trading at this second immediately. Yeah, this and uh, and when John says immediately, um, he, he basically means that at some point your sale will go through at whatever the market price is at that time. If you're trying to trade a low volume stock or even a standard volume stock, but you're trying to buy a lot of shares, there may not be somebody looking to sell you those shares. So it may take actually, you know, it could take any amount of time for your order to actually go in, but you get whatever price it is at that time. So say you are actually trying to put in a market order at $5, but it takes, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to go through. And now the price is at 550. When your order goes through, you're going to pay the 550. You're not paying the $5. Yeah, and that's a good point. And something to add on the back of that is it's super important to only trade things that have a lot of volume, uh, also called liquidity. You know, the, the more volume something has, it refers to as the liquidity of that instrument that you're trying to trade, whether it be stock options or futures or anything else that's in the stock market. But it's, it's one of those where you see an opportunity, you want to get in as soon as possible, so you just do that instead of trying to set up any of the other types of orders. Um, speaking of other types of orders, the next one we have is a limit order. And it works, um, you know, it, it's another type of order where you can buy or sell a security, whether it be a stock option or future or any other um, securities that's listed on the marketplace. And it's for a specific price. So say a stock's trading at $9 and you like the stock, but you're only willing to pay $8.90 for, for just for um, just for intensive purposes here. And so you put the order in and it will not place that order unless it's that specific price or better. And the or better is in your favor. So if you pro put the uh, stop, I mean, not the stop, if you put the limit order for eight fifty, you can get filled at a better price if you're buying. So anything under eight fifty, but you won't get filled at anything higher than eight fifty if that's the specific price that you pick for the limit order. And that goes um, the same on the sell side. Now, what um, like John said, you could get a better price. Um, now it's important to be um, you know wary of this. This is the um, safest, safest type of order because basically you get to set what price you're willing to buy it at, or if you're if you own a stock, you get to set what price you're willing to sell it at to make sure you make the profit that you would like to make, or you buy it at the price you'd like to buy. But the thing to be wary about is it will not go through unless it hits that price. So say you want to buy a stock at nine dollars, 
if it's at 901, which is, you know, basically the same as $9, your, your, um, your buy will not go through. So it's important to be wary of that and mainly not really on the buy side, because if you don't buy something, you could lose all, lose out on opportunity to make some money. But more importantly is on the sell side, because if you're trying to sell it at $9 and it goes to $8.99 or $8.98, which a lot of people would probably say $8.98 and $9, I'll sell it at that unless you got millions of shares basically. So um, it won't go through. So if you're really trying to get out of a position and it hits $8.98 and you have the limit order at nine, it's not going to sell it. So, it's important to still keep an eye on the movement of the, the stock that you're trying to sell while you're doing that. And um, John mentioned volume as well. And he explained a little bit about volume, but come back on Friday as we dig deeper into volume and what volumes you should be looking at and other items related to volume like that, as far as your, what you should be trading. Yeah, for sure. And um, the next one is a little bit uh, more in depth as far as the order type it is. We basically have a stop loss order. And basically what that is, is if you are wanting to buy or sell a stock or security or, you know, any of the above things like we mentioned with the other ones. Um, but you want to make sure, not I, I guess make sure would be the wrong word, but you just want to make, you, you just want to limit your you, risk. Yeah. Lim, you just want to limit your risk the best you can. And there is flaws with this. I don't know that we are going to necessarily get into that today, but like we talked about before, after hours, things can gap up and gap down from what they closed. And just to go over that real quick is if you come in on Friday and it closes at a certain price, and then you go through the weekend, it might have a big move on market open on Monday, either up or down. And so that's what I mean by gap up or down. And so even if you put that stop loss order in, you can still get in at a worse price than what you are actually um, shooting for or not even get the uh, order executed at all if it's a stop loss limit order and so basically to explain what that is is a stop loss order is when it reaches a certain price then you're going to submit an order and you do it all at one time so it's set up so it takes care of this so you don't have to watch it but say your stock's at nine dollars and you say i want to let this run a little bit try to make some more money but also if it starts to fall i don't want it to go past a certain point because I want to either still keep my profits or I don't want to lose more money. So you can set it, say it's at $9, you set it at $8 and as it goes and hits eight, then it triggers the order and the order can either be a market order or a limit order, which we just covered. But it's, it's really a trigger to, ex, to execute the order that you have set up. And that's basically what a stop loss order, market order or limit order would be. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people use these, especially a lot of conservative traders or even what I would say if you're starting out, these would be a very good thing to use. If, if you're first starting out, you're trying to learn how things work or also if you have a low, um, a low account, like I said, these are good, especially for beginners as well as people who have low capital in their account or not um, an unlimited capital or not a able to refuel what they're trading with 
these are good because you can limit, like John said, you can limit your risk. So the way a lot of people use these, I would say that I hear more people using these as a stop loss, which would be more like a sell order than a st stop order for buying. And that's because you can buy stock and you can print, you can, hopefully you're doing your calculations. You know what profit you want to make. You know your, um, what price you got in at and you know what price you want to get out at in your head. Now everything changes. Like Mike Tyson says, you don't know how, you don't know how you're going to react until you get punched in the mouth. So, um, but you, you should have a plan and say you buy a stock at $9. You can basically set that you're not willing to lose any more than 8% of that, which is a common number that I hear. I've heard from people that I've listened to or read about and tried to learn from, I think 8%, 7% is kind of common, which means that if any time that um, price of that stock drops 8% below what you bought it for, it will trigger a sale, thus allowing you to cut your losses without, um, you know, losing all of your capital and, you know, kind of being sidelined for a while. So that's very good. Um, especially when you're starting out because you don't probably don't have as much as trade. Thus by doing this, you can, you know, cut your losses and move on. Now, like John said, some of the flaws that can come with this is as soon as it drops below that, it's going to trigger the limit order or market order, whatever one you, you choose. And it's going to sell it without you really having the opportunity to make your profits back. And sometimes stock connect stocks connect crazy and that could happen all at once in one day solely because the market's down and if you wait till the market was up that may be back to where it was but like i said it's, it's more for limiting your risk thus so you don't lose lose your head out there okay what john what's the next one trailing order yeah so the next one with us doing this podcast, that we always come around something that we might not have known coming in. And this one I didn't actually know about. And uh, Chris helped me understand what this was and how you can use it. So I'm actually going to let Chris explain this next one because I learned it today as well. Okay, so the last one, you have a trailing order. And this one's a real in intriguing one. So basically what a trailing order is, and you can do it for buy or sell, so basically, if say you own a stock, we'll do the selling one first, which means I own the stock, I'm trying to sell it. I can buy the stock. And like I said, you should have a predetermined out price that you would like to sell the stock at. Now, sometimes that price, the stock might perform better than what you think, thus why limit your profits by just automatically doing a limit sale order, which would sell at that price that you already determined. Instead, you can do a trailing order, which basically means, basically how it, how it works is you get to pick an amount under the high of the stock that you're willing to sell it at. So say a stock performs, it's moved from $7 to $8. You want to get out today. Basically, you can say, I'm willing to sell that stock at, let's say, 5% under its highest price, which means that that range from 
to 100% of its highest price, somewhere in that range, anywhere in that range, it will sell it for you. Thus, you're able to, if you set these, say you don't have a day where you can just watch over the your positions and you want to get rid of some, and it has a really good day, basically this helps you, this can help you make your most efficient profit. So yes, a limit order, you can pick a price, and sell it, and that's you're going to make a profit on that at your pre. You're going to make your predetermined profit even. Whereas a trailing order, basically, you're going to sell it at whatever percent you're willing to take under its highest value. So, basically, you can be um, you can you can be more efficient on what you sell it at. And the same goes for the buy order. You can set one of these at a buy order. Like I want to buy this stock but i won't want i want to try to get the best price i can get i can't watch it to just make sure that's the best price so i can say i want to buy the stock at a trailing buy order and i'm willing to buy the stock at 10 at from at its lowest price to 10 percent above that and you're going to your order will execute somewhere in within that range now the the um, I guess flaws this um, type of order could have is if you have predetermined, if you bought a stock at $8, you predetermined you want to sell it at nine, but say on the day you put in the trailing order, it's high is only eight fifty, and you have put in some percent below that. It's going to go through at eight fifty um, to that percent, whatever percent you put at, thus you're going to sell it. And, but you're not making the profit that you would have made and you might have would have hung on to it another day to try to get what you ultimately wanted. But this can be a good tool, especially if you, especially say like on Friday where it's a long weekend, I wanted to get out a lot of my positions because you never know what's going to happen over the weekend. I could have put it in a trailing order because I, I didn't have a, I wasn't going to buy anything else on Friday. So it's not like I want to get out of this in the next hour so I can have this capital to put elsewhere. It's like, I just want to get out of these sometime today because I don't know what's going to happen. So I could have put in a trailing order and it would have sold at whatever my predetermined percent below my highest price is, thus giving me the most efficient profit I could have got for the day. I know John was pretty intrigued when I when I explained this one to him. Yeah, I mean it's it's something very interesting to where you can still get maybe a little bit more profits intraday before it goes back down or stops you out. But it's definitely something I'm going to look at. For the most part, I I already have um, certain things in place, and sometimes I'll set limit orders below the current stock price uh, to do the same thing. But this will actually move it as the stock price moves. So it's a little bit more advanced um, way of locking in more profits and still not necessarily guaranteeing you to make more money, but gives you an opportunity to do that. Yeah, so you're not limiting yourself on what you chose as your limit order. And I explained most of that as a sell order. There's the other version, which is, if you're buying it and that one, instead of being a percentage above your highest price, that'd be a percentage above your lowest price. So basically you can guarantee that you're getting the best price that, that you can get. And as I mentioned, these are real important to um, pay attention to because I made a mistake last week. I meant to put in a limit order, 
on a stock that I saw flying up, didn't know much about it. So I definitely should put it on limit order and it flew up. I put in a market order and the price it executed at was actually like three or $4 above the price I was actually trying to buy it at. And then it dropped, dropped off the price that I actually executed at was the price I planned on selling it at. And then when it dropped off, I lost like a hundred dollars, which I was able to make up, but my profit could have been $110 higher last week. If I would have been paying attention, did the limit order as I should have. And that is Scott Jargon with John. Again, come back Friday. We're going to be discussing volumes and how you sh should look at the volumes and what kind of volumes you should be trading. But with that, let's go into everyone's favorite Monday segment, the competition portion where I thoroughly plan to kick John's ass in this from week to week. Last week, we ended up being tied one-to-one. -one. I think both of our watch stocks were pretty terrible. I chose one that basically got lawsuits for bolstering their drugs too much and dropped ridiculously. And John's was natural gas, which basically did nothing. So you watch stocks. Neither one of them did good. So it was good that those, we were just watching those. Um, my buy stock, I think I outperformed John. And then his sell stock, he, he got the point solely because my sell stock actually had a pretty good week and his didn't really move. So Mine should have been a stock you should have bought. But we're going to try it again this week. We're going to do our buy, sell, and hold stocks for this week. Now, again, let me explain the game. These, these are not meant for any recommendation to anyone that they should buy these stocks. These are just ones that we're, we like going into the week or dislike or are intrigued by going into the week. And just because we pick one of these in our buy stock don't mean that we are actually going to get a position in this stock Basically, the way I approach this, and John probably the same, is my buy stock on Friday or through the weekend, I like the outlook of this stock going into the week. But I'm not just going to buy a position as soon as Monday opens up. I'm going to watch it Monday, and if it does as I expect, I probably will get a position in it. But if it's not doing as I expected, I'll probably not get one. Or if I see a stock that I like actually better, that I feel I can make a better profit that I, you know, hadn't, didn't see before when I picked this as my buy stock, I'm going to pick the one that I can get a better profit. I'm not just going to pick this one. So you can always see a better stock. So we don't necessarily hold these positions, but we, these are the ones that we have looked at and we kind of like or dislike their outlook going forward. So John, what do you want to start with? Um, the ones we like, ones we dislike. Which ones you want to start? Um, real quick to add to what you said is we, you know, exactly what you said. And then also, if you would like to know exactly what I'm trading um, over on my website, <laughs> you can, uh, I have a subscription model that has a lot of educational content and also has trade alerts of what I am actually trading exactly when I trade it. And that being said, let's start with what we like. Okay, John, what do you what do you like going into the week? What what's your stock? So the stock that I like going into the week, and it has been a really good stock. It's not a it's not a company. It's actually a bond. It's the uh, e, it's the ETF. Uh, the ticker is TLT. It's the John. twenty year plus Treasury bond ETF. 
So John's going to go ahead and tell you about how he likes this one. This one does not qualify for our game, so I'm going to make him think on the fly and come up with a different one for the competition purposes. How does this one not count? Look at the price. Oh. <laughs> John keeps forgetting that we have a $50 stock price limit or around $50 because he has a lot of money because, you know, he's kind of a hoarder of, of money over there. So John – Definitely still likes this one. He's still going to explain it, but I'll do my buy stock after this while I give him the opportunity to come up with one that fits our rules and regulations. Okay, that's fair. I appreciate the uh, the courtesy there. Uh, basically, there's, there's a bunch of these treasury ETFs that you can be involved in. Um, I like this because if the economy continues to – roll over and what i mean by that is if things actually don't progress even if the coronavirus restrictions and people going out does progress if we see a downturn in the market this is something that usually does well when the market is going down and by the market i mean like the s p they kind of move in opposite directions from each other and basically the when the treasury uh, yield is what you is what a lot of people like will invest in like bank uh, savings bonds CDs all of those things when the yield goes lower so when you get less for your uh, yield less yield uh, in a savings account or CD on the on the bond uh, or in those accounts but also the bond that reflects this would also be like TLT is a good example so when the yield falls, the bond or the coupon actually increases in value. And we don't have to go in that super in detail right now. We'll cover that in a later episode. But um, I like the TLT for this, and then I have to go and run and pick another one, unfortunately. But uh, we'll send it over to Chris. Yeah, so the TLT was a good one to talk about because, like you mentioned, it can be good even when the mar- market is bad. And I would say, maybe it's just on me, um, that's a good one. In most cases, that's not a just a, like the ones I, I'm picking for the episode. I'm looking at them as solely for just this upcoming week, Monday through Friday. But the TLT, I mean, that's probably good next week and the week after. That's not just a one week, you know, type of stock. But, okay, for my light stock, and again, I'm, this is only for this week because I have, actually I dislike this stock long term but i do like it for this week and the one i have is mgm international everyone knows about mgm casinos in las vegas um, pretty much the the casino world they had a pretty good week last week mgm actually did not have that great of a week last week they kind of just stayed where it was at it might have went up a little bit but it didn't have the same kind of week that like penn national or golden had um and that's because it has more international com- – it's, it's a larger company. It's not just in America. So just America opens up. It has casinos, so, so many casinos elsewhere that can really affect, you know, the actual business. And, again, I don't like this company going long-term because they've mentioned that it's probably going to take them four to six years to fully recover from the coronavirus, and that's pretty long. It's a pretty long time compared to some of the other ones. But I do like it going into this week. 
as they are actually going to open up some more casinos in Mississippi tomorrow. So what just, is the ticker for this? Ooh, I didn't write down. It's MGM. It should be pretty easy to find. It's a pretty common one, I think. It's a resort international? MGM International, yeah. It's it's the casinos like the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, MGM. But um, they're opening up their casinos in Mississippi starting tomorrow, and anytime one of these casinos are is going to open, has businesses shut down where they're not making any money, and now they're opening it, opening it up. There's going to be a bump just from that because now people are actually using their business, and there will be a bump. I think it'll be a short-term bump. I think, like I said, through the week, I think it'll be a, a bump up. But over time, I think it'll probably level back out because of their actual, you know, numbers. Once we get to the next earnings, it's probably not going to be that great in numbers. Thus, it'll level out. But just from them opening casinos this week, I think there will be a bump. So, MGM is the stock I like this week. John, Am I showing the correct one on the screen? Yep, MGM. It's at, at fifteen ninety is I guess what it closed at on Friday. Um, we'll look tomorrow and see what the open price is for the competition. So, John, what's the stock you like now? Okay, the stock I like now, just on the fly, uh, I like GDX. It's a gold miners ETF. Um, so I like gold long term, metals. so I like it this week as well. Yeah, so gold. The gold ETF, GDX, this is two weeks in a row. John went with the precious metal, if that tells you about his. And this is actually, this is a gold miner. So the actual businesses that mine gold versus the actual um, commodity itself. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes um, this week. What's your dislike, John? Is that this one going to be over $50 as well? So... This is what I was going to go with. That one's fine. Did you change it? But I was but what I really dislike is this one. And Beyond meat. Yeah. Beyond meat is that's probably a, a good dislike. Yeah, but it's $136, so Yeah, so we during the podcast we're going to talk about stocks that are more expensive like that and ETF stuff like that. In more of our general discussion ways for this particular game, we're trying to give, we're going to give, try to give y'all stocks we like and dislike that pretty much anyone can get involved with. Like as long as it's under fifty dollars, most people doing any work in the market can buy a stock that's under fifty dollars and get enough volume to make money. Once you get into the you know hundred two hundred dollar stocks. If you can only buy three or four of those, you're not going to make anything worth buying those stocks for. So, so USA is the one that I dislike. Then. So the United States Oil Fund, USO, is the one John dislikes for the week. Um, why, why do you not like this one for this week, John? I'm actually – I hold a position in here. Um, I'm short this product already, um, so I definitely don't like it. So John dislikes it for his own personal gain, but what reason? Um, what's what's your reasoning for why do you think it's going to go down? And if that tells you anything, John actually has a position in this right now, shorting it, which, as we discussed, means that he thinks this is going to go down. And as this go down goes down, is when he makes money. So 
by John actually having a position, that means he really does think this is going to go down. So what, yeah, what is that? The, the reason for that is I know that demand is coming back for everything reopening, but I think we still have oversupply. And so we've seen a very big rebound in the oil price over the last month. And I think that it'll come back down until we burn off some of this extra supply. And I would agree with that as well. We, we have quite a bit of, of a supply now back from where oil went negative and they were giving it away for free. And as he said, it has went up in the last month, but it's not hard to go up from I'm giving it to you for free. So when it's negative prices, it's pretty easy for it to go up because it literally cannot go down. But so U.S. oil is what John dislikes for the week. What I dislike for the week, we have had a lot of discussion on last week's episode, both episodes really, and it had a good week last week. And I, the stock I chose for my dislike last week was because I thought they were riding the curtail, coattails of this stock. And so my dislike stock for this week is actually Aurora Cannabis, ACB, who had a great week last week. It actually had a roller coaster week. It went up, shot back down. Then they announced that they were buying the company in America, which is their foot, first um, step into America. And the reason I think ACB is going to go down is I think people overreacted to the news of them buying the company in America and kind of overreacted to some of their performance values when as because of the coronavirus, they have actually, even though in this small minute um, point in time, it looks good, but they still have so much um, complications that they have to make up because of the virus and because they, they announced that they had bought that company. And I personally think they announced it because they had went up at the beginning of the week and then it actually nosedived pretty far down. Like you could have lost a pretty good amount of money if you had got it at the, um, right before the middle of the week. And I think they saw that people felt like it was overpriced. Thus they picked that time to make the announcement that they bought the U S company, which shot it back up. I think it's at kind of the high, um, the upper range, not really the high, but the upper range where it's at, even if it goes up early, I think towards the end of the week, we're definitely going to see a crash down. It was actually downgraded by a company called Jeffries on um, Friday and Jeffries kind of gives outlook. They're pretty, pretty reliable on their picks for how stocks going, um, stocks are going to go. So they downgraded ACB, which they had as a hold, which basically means like watch it. Um, there may be a chance to buy it. They downgraded it from a hold to uh, do not buy and that it's has overperformed what it's actually worth. I think they stated that they felt like ACB is a 10 to $11 stock. So if it does drop to 10 to $11, that's a great time to buy. But right now at $16, $17, which has been hovering at, is probably too high. And I think it's just going, going to start leveling, leveling off as a hype from their purchase um, goes down. What do you think about that, John? Well, I think they're also finding a lot of negative earnings here. I mean, the only profitable earnings year they had was 2018. 2019, they lost almost $300,000. And the last 12 months, they've lost uh, close to $1.5 in net income. Yeah, 
but they're pr they're a pretty new company, so I'm not I'm not really worried about the negative earnings the the last few years because I'm just recently is um I guess they were found in 2006, but just just recently is when the weed is really like places are starting to legalize more. I know Canada's a little been a little bit ahead of the curve, which is where they're at, but this is one of them companies that over time I think is going to rise. I think the weed industry as a whole is actually going to rise over time. I just don't think it's this week, but I think in the next few years, you can see all the weed companies have quite a bit, quite a bit um, of going ups. I actually like the, the weed ETF for more of a, not, I guess it's technically a long-term, but not like a 20 year investment, but I like the, the THC ETF more as like a two or three year down the road investment as places legalize more, all the weed companies will go up. Thus the ETF for weed will go up and that's a more safer option than trying to bet on one single company to get it right. Okay. What, what stock are you intrigued by for your watch stock, John? So we're going to go with a gold company. Um, this is uh, Barrett gold. It's ticker is G O L D. It's a $26 and 23 cents stock. It's done very well as the economy um, has done poorly. So I'm looking at this one to kind of see what it's going to do after it shot up so much in the last three months. And if you, if you, obviously you can't um, see it on the podcast if you're listening to it on Spotify or one of the other podcast network, but John is showing these stocks on the screen. And if you have noticed for each one that John has chose, it has a short term outlook as bearish, which is what John pretty much um, sticks to. This one has a long term outlook as bullish. So people it's it's predicted to perform well, but long term, which means they have a short term, midterm, long term here on Yahoo Finance. I don't actually know their ranges for that. I would I would think long term, we're talking, you know, at least five or ten years down the road since they do have a midterm. But short term is definitely bearish. It looks like it's way up right now compared to in recent history. So there's plenty of room for it to fall back down. So, but it could, could keep going up. So who knows? So that's John's um, watch stock. My watch stock is a company called every holdings. So every John, I don't actually, I didn't look up the, the ticker. I didn't write the tickers down. No, no. Every E V E R I. right there, Every Holdings Incorporated. So this is a company, again, you might see that I like these um, casino stocks and things related to that, especially in this climate. I think that area is one of the areas that is, you know, it's pretty safe in this climate because everything has been shut down and now they're opening these, these up. So the stock will go up from where they're at because they're basically at the lowest they're very, very low end of stuff. So I like every holdings, which basically they they like lease um, casino equipment. They sell casino equipment, sell the gaming equipment. So the actual casino equipment that they have in the casinos, a lot of that's made by a company called Every Holdings. In the last few few years, they kind of been up and down. In the last, they were actually they had beat their earning predictions. And all three in the first three quarters of 2019, 
in the fourth quarter of 2019, they were quite a bit under their their um, predictions. Um, but with with the coronavirus and the casinos shut down, I think you'll see that there there was two different ways of thinking. One way was we don't know when we're going to make money, so we need to kind of be as frugal as possible and kind of hold our money. But I think you can see some other places where they were probably like, well, we're not shut down ever, really. We're shut down right now. This is a time where we can, you know, innovate or refurbish some of our equipment, you know, redo some stuff. And the reason I'm intrigued by every is because they're at the kind of low end where they're at now and their earnings come out on, I think, June the 2nd. So not this week, but next week. So I think we can start seeing a rise in every stock towards the end of the week in anticipation for their earnings, which I expect to maybe not be back on track, so to say, but better than expected um, given the circumstances. And as you could see, if you were watching on YouTube, the short-term outlook for every is bullish. So that means that people expect this stock to go up in the short term. So I'm going to be watching this one. This, one, this is one I got intrigued by maybe a, two weeks ago. I've had on my watch list. I have not pulled the trigger on the buy yet. I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of movement in the last two weeks. I think this could be the week coming into their earnings where we could see some movement. Got any opinion on that one, John? No, I'm I'm curious to see what their earnings are, though. I mean, I don't know that um, anything that's been reopened will be reported in this earnings that's coming up. It'll probably be the next one. Well, this is not actually a casino stock. This is a company that sells equipment to casinos. So they're in the manufacturing of the equipment. They're not owning casinos. So I think you could see in their earnings that some casinos were buying more equipment, thus like replacing old equipment, um, getting newer stuff, that sort of stuff. I think you could have seen that while casinos were shut down, they had the opportunity to, you know, remodel and do some things like that. And I think you could see that in Avery's earnings. But um, moving on from the buy, sell and hold stock, as I, as I said, we'll look at each of those three stocks We'll write down the open price that they open at normally on Monday, but tomorrow is Memorial Day. So thanks everyone um, that has been in the military for their service. But on Tuesday, when the market opens, we'll write down the open price on Tuesday and we'll write down the closed price on Friday. Also, John, I totally forgot. I didn't forget about Memorial Day, but I totally forgot to think about that it's a four-day week rather than a five-day week. I don't know how that changes anything. Yeah, so John's trying to trying to put up pictures of his bearish instincts on the YouTube, which don't worry, podcast, um, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, Google Podcast listeners, it's nothing you worth um, worth seeing um, because we're more of a matador. We're going to fight the bull. But moving on to the, the general news, we talked about quite a bit of news from the last week on Friday's episode, which was long and got. <laughs> pretty wild in there so if you haven't heard friday's episode i don't know how much you're going to learn from friday's episode but you'll laugh some definitely especially towards the end 
But some news I have, John, and I'm actually going to let John start start um, start with his news because this is kind of an opportunity. And when he gets started, like like he told me, it's a good time to get in due to the pricing. But if you don't, if you're first starting out in the stock market, I would hold off on using this system until you kind of got the feel of the regular stock market and then work your way into, into this. But the price right now for this subscription, which you, you have to pay for, is probably the lowest it's ever going to be because it's a new thing. So I'm going to let John take it away on the small exchanges, you know, their, their new exchange for futures. Yeah, so this is something really, I think, important, especially for people that's going to be listening to this, is typically futures have been large institutional-sized products, and they've been... One second, John. We haven't got to this on the lesson, so I know we talked about it on the last buy, sell, and hold as we talked about how to predict what the market might do in the given week, but can you tell the people what a future actually is? What do you mean by futures? So a future is a contract and basically it's based, it's a derivative product. So it's based on an actual product, but they're actually traded 24 five. So they're traded 24 hours a day, five days a week. And a good example and the most popular one would be something like the E-minis and the S&P 500. And that product is the 500 companies that's in the S&P 500. It's derived from that, but it's actually a contract that you actually write with another person. And so if you're bearish on the S&P 500, you can set aside a certain amount to cover your losses that you bet that that market's going to go down. And on the other side, someone can buy that contract and set aside a certain amount of money for because they're betting that it goes up and both parties put enough money aside to cover their losses but they don't have to put up the full amount uh, full dollar value of the underlying product and so the futures products are typically like a hundred thousand dollar products uh, or at least in the tens of thousands of dollars and so regular size investors um, the notional size of these uh, instruments are too big, but even though their futures, they have capital relief. So to trade one E-mini S&P 500 future, you're still looking at about thirty to $40,000 just to trade one. And in that, that range depends on what broker you have, but these are very large contracts that most people can't uh, trade. And so for beginning people, you're not even going to worry about these to begin with. And, and also some of the terminology and how they work is a little bit more in depth. But getting back to what Chris was saying is having the market awareness of looking at these products can be important to you. So on Sunday night, these products actually start to trade. And you can watch this from, not tonight on Sunday because we're going into Memorial Day on Monday. But on a typical Sunday, these products start trading at around 6 p.m., especially the S&P 500 one. And so you can watch that overnight, and you'll have a good indication of what the market will open up at on, um, on Monday morning. So they're really big products, and what has happened is this new uh, company has came out, and they're like the first exchange to open in 
I think 15 years or so. They're the first exchange to open and they're actually targeting the individual investor that doesn't have enough money to play with the institutional size futures. So this is something that we'll, we'll talk more about as far as the products go. But the reason we're mentioning it now is that they're one week away from launching. And if you want to get reduced fees to trade these futures and a lifetime membership, a lifetime subscription, you get a lot. And we don't get anything for this, for telling you this. This is just something important that we want to give you and let you know about. So that way you can be prepared for when it opens and you can also get on this before it's too late to take advantage of this opportunity. So it's $100 for a lifetime subscription. It gets you reduced fees across the board on these products and they will be, it'll only be a few, couple hundred dollars that they'll take in buying power to actually trade these instruments. But they have a lot of leverage and with leverage comes capital efficiency. It's something that's super important. And we'll get to these things later on, but if you are interested in trading futures and having capital efficiency and having reduced fees in something that'll be a big part of everyone's future as they progress in their investment journey, and as they learn more about investing in the stock market, you can go over to the Small Exchange's website, and I'm going to show it here on the screen. But if you go to smallexchange.com, you can go John, on here and check out what they're offering, and you can actually sign up for that lifetime subscription. And I'll try to remember to include this link in the description, as well as my Robinhood um you know, recommendation thing and John's Tasty Traits um, referral code, which I forgot the last episode and was supposed to include. I'll, I'll put those in there. So if you sign up for Robinhood, if you're a new member, um, use my referral code so I can get a free stock, you can get a free stock, and it, it helps helps me out as well as helping you out. There's no reason not to sign it up you can sign up by yourself and not do it. And basically it's the same as if you just say, I referred you, which I probably did if you're listening to this podcast. And also, you know, you get an incentive. So you actually get a free stock and we'll get a free stock versus just signing up and not getting anything. So if you are interested in investing and you want to invest, you can use that to open your brokerage account but also getting back to the small exchanges website here. Once again, it's a one-time payment of a hundred bucks and it entitles you to a lifetime subscription to the small exchange with no renewal or, or annual fees ever. And you, and so it's a really big opportunity. Who knows what they'll uh, be priced at in the future. So it's something to definitely go on and subscribe to. And that just kind of locks in for a hundred bucks. You can be locked in to have the capabilities of trading these in the future when we get to that. And if you need any help or have any more questions, you can feel free to contact um, us by, I'm not sure. How do you want people to contact you, Chris? The best way I would say is to comment on the podcast or the video, because if you need help, that means somebody else probably needs help. And if you were to like, private message me on Twitter, I would respond to you, but then only you are getting that information. Whereas if you comment, 
then we see that we that's something we um, need to talk about and that there's a market for it and we we can talk about it on the podcast thus helping you but if you had a question that means somebody else probably felt the same and we might be able to help somebody else who didn't ask the question so for for both of us i would say if you commented on the podcast or, or the youtube video that's probably the best option for everyone and um like like john said this is a new thing it's not released yet i saw a, a transaction fee for when you trade these it looks like seven cents a contract which is you know that's nothing and, th and these fees will be these fees most likely will go up in price so with that hundred dollar subscription you're locking in these uh these fees for this amount versus you know they're just doing this as a promotion to get started to get people interested in trading these products but it, down the road they can increase their uh their fees and it might not be that cheap so definitely look into this i think you have until the first you need to do it before the first if this is something you're interested in and even if you're not ready to do these yet like i'm not sure when i'll start trading these but I, i'm going to jump on this because even if you so like last week i had a great week in the market i i can use half that money to help myself be able to make more money later so like every everyone's heard the saying you got to spend money to make money um this is the best opportunity that you're going to have at the small exchange and like i said i mean it could end up being being nothing and you know it, it may not be helpful for you but for a hundred dollars for a lifetime subscription i mean it could be great and like john said i think the predictions are that this this price could rise quite a bit as they go so if you have if you any thought that you might um, be doing the stock trading thing for the long term, I would go ahead and jump on to this because this is probably something you'll dabble with at some point. And also to add to that is um, right now, after the first, they'll be trading in our time, like New York time, they'll be trading from eight a.m. to 5 p.m. But I think after the first month, from what I'm being told, after the first month, they'll actually be traded 24 hours a day, five days a week, uh, Sunday night through Friday night. And so if you're someone that maybe works through market hours, this would be a very good way to be involved in the stock market and be able to be engaged during hours of being open where normally you wouldn't be able to if you were trading stocks. And to go along with that, and for upcoming content since this will be a 24 5 and we'll have the evenings i won't be at work you can look out for there'll probably be some live video of me and john actually trading these futures on the small exchange so that that's something to look forward to especially if you're not really sure about it that could be something that you could watch and like see us do it and kind of get some more out of that so it'd be a good thing to to at least look at whether you get in the subscription or not, it'd be a good thing to at least like browse and read about. And like John said, we're, we're not getting paid for this. This is something that we really do think is a good idea. So we're bringing it up to help our listeners. Um, it's, it's not an advertisement. So, 
Just, yeah, just put that out there. And I really think that this this will help a lot of people. I know me personally, uh, this is going to help me out. So if you had an an um, if you wanted to trade precious precious metals, for example, but maybe the ETF for all three precious metals, or yeah, I think there's I think there's three main precious metals that people trade: gold, silver, and platinum. So say you wanted to trade all three, but you only have a couple hundred dollars. Well, all three of those ETFs can be more than the money that you have. Where this right here has one product that it, you actually trade all three of those precious metals in one product for a couple hundred dollars versus having to spend a few hundred dollars for, to get all three. So, so there's a lot of uh, benefits here. And also you look at um, the U.S. Treasury, um, the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, you can trade that. The U.S. dollar uh, and the small stock 75, which is a balanced sector, um, it's kind, of, it's kind of structured like an ETF. It has um, the main sectors in it equally weighted, unlike some of the other ETFs or S&P 500 where they're not equally weighted. And they also have crude oil. Three of these, the stock 75, the small dollar, and the precious metals will be launching on June the 1st, and the other ones will be soon to follow. But just something to keep in mind, we wanted to run by you a great opportunity uh, for long term, as you learn and get into this, eventually we'll probably you'll probably convert to these products just because of the benefits that come with futures. And John was mentioning some particular futures. We'll talk more about some particulars on the small exchange as it becomes actually available to use. No need to go in that right now when it's not even available. But yeah, it's a great opportunity. Moving on to other news. Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg has put out that Facebook employees will be allowed to work from home permanently if they want to. Um, this is some pretty big news. I think Facebook stock went up and I actually read a article. I know I didn't fact check it to know for sure, but it said at some point this week, because of this news, Facebook was at an all time high. So People is very intrigued by the working from home, and especially a company like Facebook, where it's more a web-based service. There's definitely plenty of jobs out there where it can't be a full-time work from home. My job, where I design um, foundations, it's kind of a both or both. Like if there's a day I need to stay home and work from home, I can definitely do that and accomplish my work. But it's not a job I can work full-time from home because a lot of what we do on these very large pro um, projects have different pieces where my other coworkers might be working on one piece. I might be working on one piece. Thus it's a, if you work from home communication and that sense is a lot harder than if I'm sitting right down the hall or right beside someone that I can just ask right away. And I know, I know that they're there. I know that they're available, but for companies like Facebook, working from home is probably going to be a pretty big benefit because now they have just basically cut their operating costs substantially. Now they're not paying rent for buildings. They're not paying the power bills for them buildings that they were renting. They're not paying water bills. They're not paying um, janitorial staff. So there's so many costs that they can cut by allowing their employees to work from home. And that's a job that, I mean, you can work from home. It's kind of an independent job. Um, 
John, you got any more input on working from home? I think think there's a lot of benefit for a lot of companies on that. And I think we could see that going forward. Yeah, I'm surprised in the day of the internet that we have, I'm surprised more companies haven't went to this already, especially things that are very independent. Like you said, if your job doesn't involve multiple people on a project and you have your own duties that you can complete yourself, there's really no reason to go into the office unless it's for a particular reason. And especially with the the Zoom meetings, and I think a lot of people were hesitant on using the Zoom meetings and Microsoft Teams besides like long distance talks before coronavirus. But now the coronavirus has basically forced people to use these and they found out that, hey, this is just just as easy really as if we were sat down in a room and did a meeting. I think one of the reasons that we haven't seen more of this is owners of companies and employers, you know, it's hard to regulate people when you say you're working from home to whether they're actually working and most people definitely do would be working whether at home but there could be you know inefficiencies like if you're at home and you got a bunch of pets running around there's going to be plenty of times where you get interrupted or you got to go do this with the pet whereas if you're at work you're not going to drive home to do that you're just going to continue working so there's a lot of distractions that could be be at home the limit efficiency as well as actually regulating when people are working and that sort of stuff so, but I still think that's something we can see going forward because with any job, you have deadlines and you have tasks that has to be performed. It'll be very obvious if the tasks are not being performed. So, right. yeah, so that, that was a big one this week. And then another one I have in the same light as a Facebook, which is kind of the opposite of Facebook going up, is Twitter and another app called the What's Up app have been sanctioned by the European Union for basically privacy breaches and crackdown. And I don't know what the actual commission that they developed called, but in um, Europe, they have developed, you know, kind of this board that's kind of been looking for um, infractions and that sort of stuff, I think since 2013 even. And Twitter, I think, has been at the top of, top of the list on making sure their privacy things. So you got to make sure sometimes that you don't just click, okay, I accept these terms because a lot of those, you know, kind of have some pretty, pretty bad privacy stuff. So Twitter's definitely collecting, um, you know, data and using that to help refine their systems. But when you collect that amount of data, say they get hacked or something, now all your data, like what you've been looking up on the internet and, things you've been doing. So like I'm building a house. I know everyone has seen now like ads pop up. If you're talking about something, it'll pop up on the side and it's like, well, I was just talking about that or I was looking at that. That's the using the data on Twitter. I, I know does that pretty heavenly and they've, they've been sanctioned. I don't know if it's necessarily for that because a lot of people don't even, there's, there's half and half. A lot of people hate that. And then some people don't mind that they're like, well, if Twitter can use my data to help give me better ads, I don't want to watch this bullshit ads about tampons and I don't even have a vagina. Um, and they can refine the ads to more of like fishing gear or something. I mean, that's better off, but also it, there's a line with that. There's, there's a, 
up to this line, it's great. Past that line, you're you're getting into some muddy waters. So j- Twitter's getting a, has a sanction as well as the WhatsApp ad. So I don't know how that will affect their stock prices since they've kind of been probing for this information since like 2013. So it's been known that they've been looking at Twitter for this for years and years. So I don't know how much, I'm sure there'll be a decrease in their stock price, but it probably won't be long-term. Who knows what will come out of this? What do you feel on that, John? Yeah, there's a fine line there that I think our society needs to figure out what that is. For me personally, I like having ads tailored to what I'm interested in because those are products that I would probably buy regardless. And it helps me find those products faster if it definitely feels feels a need that I have. So, I mean, I, I think I think at some point you are, I mean, it can be like manipulating. And so there's, there's a fine line between getting products to people that want them and manipulating people by knowing what they want and be able to put together something that almost makes you want to buy it where normally you wouldn't have. So I don't know. And also sharing that data with other companies, you know, you might accept for Twitter to pitch you ads, but then all of a sudden this other guy that has a website and you're on Google and Twitter sells your ads to Google. And now the whole world knows what you want to buy. And so they just flood you with all this content. So there's definitely a line there that we need to find. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. Um, I know there's a lot of different uh, thoughts and opinions on it. And it's not just what you want to buy. It's your, your data in, in general, like stuff you like, stuff you dislike. And a lot of companies, there's companies out there who that's their business plan is they collect data. They like mine data the same as people mine Bitcoin. They mine data and then they sell it to companies like Twitter and other companies I assume Twitter collects so much data, they probably do some selling or they're keeping it for themselves. But there's companies out there, just know there's companies out there that do collect data and they do sell it to companies, to other companies, and that kind of puts your stuff out there. So, you know, like John said, there's a fine line to that. I don't know. I I still use Twitter. I, I don't feel like they're crossing the line as far as my privacy yet. I know a few weeks back Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg in particular were, was talking about using Facebook and the data Facebook collects to help determine whether you to basically coronavirus map so basically they were going to use your data the people you um, follow on there the people you look at if you post something you're in this area this person this area they can basically map where you've came in contact with the coronavirus where's the most coronaviruses stuff things like that and that to me that's starting to the press a line if they're really um honing in onto you were in this location here in this location i know when i post stuff i know everyone they know the location from because of my ip where i'm posting it but i don't actually put you know a lot of times where i'm at when i post it on facebook so facebook knows that everyone i'm posting to doesn't but that's starting to you know, they're really paying attention to it. So I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, they're kind of pinpointing and tracking patterns and knowing when you're doing this and that. And, and yeah, I mean, the coronavirus thing, it could end up helping um, a lot of people. But at the same time, you're giving up a lot of your information and, and routes and things that you're doing. So it's a different world we live in for sure. Uh, it's scary sometimes. 
Yeah, for coronavirus, it can definitely help. But it's one of them things where kind of it's kind of like innovation. Like once you get to a certain point of innovating, all the other companies are going to do the same. And once you allow a company to do that, it's not going to be like, okay, you can do it for this. But then after that, you're not, it's illegal again. You're not allowed to do that. So like once you open, it's kind of like opening Pandora's box. Once you open it, now they're all of a sudden allowed to do that for other things. And now who knows what, what they're doing it for. They may not all be as good as like coronavirus mapping. Right. And then I have one more news story to talk about for this episode. And this one, I think John's going to be happy about this one. I'm pretty happy about I'm getting pumped. That hasn't been sports for three months and I'm ready for sports to come back. I know baseball is supposed to start their second spring training pretty soon with opening day being July 1st. But, and I keep up with baseball some, but I don't watch that many games more of like once it gets towards the end of the season, I start watching more, but basketball, there've been major talks about when basketball is going to open up and NBC, the news I have is in the last day or two, NBC has been talking with Disney about resuming the NBA season in the ESPN headquarters and arena types area in Disney World. And basically, they're just trying to get out logistics. I assume that we'll see some sort of the rest of the NBA season that was almost over. Now, whether that's they're going to play the actual rest of the games or whether that's going to be more of a March Madness style tournament with maybe more than maybe 10 teams in on each side of the conference rather than eight. They don't know the format yet, but they've been talking about whether they're going going to quarantine all the players and staff in an area to finish it out to make sure it's safe for everyone. And the two places has been either Las Vegas or Disney. Um, Las Vegas, from a player's perspective, I'm assuming Las Vegas is where they would want to be because they would basically have their own hotels and they could shut down some of them hotel. Most of them hotels have casinos. So now they're in their own hotel. They basically have their own personal casino where they're just interacting with each other and they have more, more entertainment outside of when they're actually playing, especially if they're going, going to be there, you know, for a month or so, everything shut down and they're not going to be able to just like, they're going to be able to move freely because it's America and you can't restrict that. But every time they leave, they're going to have to get tested again with something like Las Vegas. They'll be able to have all their entertainment in one place and they won't actually have to leave. thus make it more safer. So from a player's perspective, they're going to like Las Vegas, but the favorite is that they're going to finish the NBA season at Disney world. And a lot of people, I don't think have been putting this together. They've been, Talking Disney World of Las Vegas, a lot of people said, well, you do it in Las Vegas. Um, Mark Cuban was actually on Pat McAfee's show on Thursday or Friday, and they had asked him about this situation and why, whether they would pick Las Vegas or Disney. And he basically was like, well, we would definitely pick Disney. Disney is a major sponsor of the NBA. So by picking Disney, it's helping the NBA, and that's their partner. And so the NBA would be helping his, his partner out. So I don't see any any way they – unless they just don't decide not to finish the season, I assume that they're finishing the season at Disney World. But basketball should be coming back in the next month or so, or two months. So that, that's pretty cool. 
And also, uh, Disney owns like 80% of ESPN. Disney owns basically all ESPN at this point. Um, Now, that's so – when the, if that happens, that should greatly help. As the stock market shows, so we should talk about the stock of Disney. If they resume the M- NBA season at Disney World, that's going to greatly help Disney stock, which has actually been down. Definitely last week they were they had not that great a week, or they may have ended up even it out at the end. But I know they've had some down days. And Dis- there's a couple of companies, two or three companies, and Disney was the main one when you might have saw a couple of days that they said the market was down, it was almost solely because of Disney being so far down. So, and you might've seen the SP S and P 500 ETF um, be down. And that's, that's again, in, in part because Disney had a couple of bad days last week. So the NBA coming back should help, help Disney. John, you got any more news stories that we should cover on this episode? Um, no, uh, the only, well, I guess it doesn't really matter uh, too much. Um, we're kind of running out of time here, but I was just going to mention that Hertz, um, you, I mean, uh, yeah, the Hertz, um, rental car. Yeah. Hertz rental car uh, filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. So right now Hertz has some of their cars for sale for probably a lot cheaper than what they're worth. And as a rental car company, they definitely have nice cars. So you can probably go get you, if you can't afford, you know, the brand new Mustang or something, you might be able to buy one at auction from Hertz who filed bankruptcy for pretty cheap. Now it is going to be yellow and black because that's Hertz colors, but who knows, you can probably get, get a decent car. But, but with that, um, that's kind of the end of the topics we have today. I'd like to thank everybody for listening and supporting us last week. Again, um, do your homework. Share our podcast with five new people. Don't share with the same five people unless they didn't listen to you. Share with five new people um, for this coming week. Again, the podcast can be found on Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. The video will be on YouTube. Definitely, um, if you want to watch the video, definitely still go click on the podcast links because that's how we get paid from our advertiser. So we need everyone to click on as many of them podcast links as possible and play the first few seconds for sure. So we can get extra views because the advertisement deal is based on performance. So we definitely need you to do that. Um, Again, this is a Tuesday episode that will be up. I guess if you're listening to it, it's already up, but we're posted by 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning. And I mentioned this because going forward, the episodes will be posted by 8 a.m. on Monday morning, so pre-market, and then we'll have another episode posted Saturday morning that we record on Friday, post-market, and who knows, just just um, pay attention to our social medias for updates. Every once in a while, they'll probably, if we're having a real big week, there might be a bonus episode on a Tuesday or Wednesday, um, just a short bonus episode recapping the week, so pay attention to that, but with that, um, follow me on Chris McBride underscore 12 on any of the social media platforms. Mine's the same on all of, all of them. Um, share the podcast, like, rate, and review the podcast. Leave comments for any discussions you want to talk about or any constructive criticism, things we do well, things we don't do, something you would like us to cover that maybe we haven't got to. And John is at on Twitter at Burrell Invest. And then he's on Facebook at his 
his own name. You can search John Burrell and find him, but I think he also has a Burrell Investments on Facebook as well. Is that correct? Um, I don't have it on Facebook, but I have BurrellInvest.com. You can go over there and check it out. Uh, we have a subscription model that includes a lot of educational material as well as trading alerts of actual trades that I'm making. And you can also follow John's actual brokerage account and see what trades he, he makes. So if you're kind of a bear or you're starting to get in the market, John is a pretty conservative, I would say he's a pretty conservative trader, but he does well at it. He normally has a um, plus each week. He's not down a lot. So if you're first starting out and you're not really sure what to do, um, John's pretty conservative. So if you watch his, you could probably find some pretty safe and less risk trades that he's going to make. And you can just make, make the same on yours. If that's what you feel you should do again, you should do your own research and that sort of thing. But yeah, you can definitely follow his account and see, see what he's doing. And my account isn't, isn't public, but um, I normally post stuff on social media about what, the moves I'm making, whether it's good, whether it's bad. And then we're going to talk about it on the podcast. So with that, we'll see y'all Friday. Keep swinging it. And John, play the music. <laughs>